All right, welcome in episode 87 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I'm Travis Shadon. With me, as always, is Spencer Maddox. It is October now, and you know what that means. Major League Baseball playoffs, NFL, basketball preseason coming back, and the number one place to watch it in Savannah is our title sponsor, Coach's Corner. Spencer, you love Coach's Corner. I do love Coach's Corner. Everybody loves Coach's Corner. 912-352-2933 if you want to call ahead. 3016 East Victory Drive where you can find 1.87 billion TVs, hot wings, cold beers, and sports all over the walls. Plastered all over the walls. That's, that's, that's right, Trav. You actually got the number of TVs right by like one-fifth. It's actually like five times more than that. It's roughly 7.5 billion TVs. Right. We covered this last week. Coach's Corner, your go-to spot for Braves games, your go-to spot for Falcons games, but coming this winter, we're turning it into the go-to spot for Atlanta Hawks games. They're the up-and-coming team in Georgia. <laughs> coming Basi- this winter. Coming this winter. They're basically the best team in Georgia at this point. I think we can all agree, other than the Georgia Bulldogs, who, who are a dynamo. Potentially. You know, potentially. potentially, potentially. But we're turning them into a go-to Hawks, Hawks bar. I, <laughs> I'd love to see you there. Trap, take it away. Tell John Henderson, and tell owner John Henderson, or your server, bartender, that the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and they'll take care of you. They'll hook it up. On your check at the end of the day, go see them this weekend for the Braves playoff game. Plenty of live music, but also a big, big teepee. A big teepee, and oh, we're gonna be that's on all that we need. We'll we're be there Friday afternoon, boy. for sure. So go see them at 3016 East Victory Drive. Like them on Facebook, YouTube, The Rubbin' and Grubbin' Show, um, and all that. We're proud to be a title, or we're proud to have Coach's Corner as our title sponsor for a year now. A year... In October, this is our one-year anniversary with Coach's Corner, so we're pumped to be with them. So go check them out and tell them we sent you today. Maybe they'll pop the question soon. Spencer, you know? I'm going to roast you on this podcast. I hope you're ready. No chance. No chance. All right, episode 87. Let's get it, boys and girls. Ain't nobody I mean, I've always kind of believed in aliens. I don't know if I believe in flying saucers. You might as well just walk up to Cupid while he's on his lunch break. You know, crank his heat or something. Yeah. Right in the face. Baby right in. We'll see that. We're almost uh, three minutes into our sports podcast and yet to bring up not one sport. <laughs> All right. Episode 87, Hot Grits Podcast. Season 5, Episode 7. Let's go. Spencer Maddox is here. Travis Shadon here. Uh, Spencer, we're going to start with the Braves, we are. I think. But first, on Monday, earlier today, we're recording this Monday, October 4th. Uh, Facebook and Instagram were shut down for basically the entire business day. They were. On Monday, and the world lost its mind. The best thing to come out of it was that Twitter had its day in the sun. Had its time in the spotlight. Yeah, so Twitter I need you was to, the place to be. I, I, I need you to break this down for me, and let me hit uh like for context. Let me hit up, but first, but first. Okay. So you hit a but first, but before that, but first. Okay. Um, so we've been doing this episode. We've been doing this podcast for how long? Uh, how many episodes? Eighty. This is the eighty seventh. That's correct. Is, I'm 80, proud of you for knowing that. Eighty seventh episode. Yeah. I have recorded drunk once in those eighty seven episodes. One time. Just once? Just once. And it was like the 13th or 14th episode. You know what, though? 
most people would have figured it was more than that because maybe just because of some of the takes. It takes right so maybe because it takes but you know i've made a lot of money on the futures market so maybe start following my takes well you know i'm gonna yeah i've done pretty well you know above the average for sure your boy spent the entire day drinking on the golf course so this is about to be an absolutely fire episode and now I don't remember where I was going. With this. <laughs> I was just gonna let you keep going, dude. What, like, what a mess this is, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoon feed this episode to you because I'm dealing with this right now. I'm gonna walk Spencer, yeah, down the path of good podcasting and audio. No, I'm a pro, experience. dude. I'm a pro, dude. No problems. No On problems. Monday, here's the headline from people. Oh, that's why. That's so. I didn't know about the <laughs> Facebook thing or the Instagram thing because I was on the golf course all day and I wasn't looking at my phone. Right. At all. All right, so there we go. Now continue. Well, can I butt first, butt first, butt first you? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna butt first, butt first, butt first. On Sunday, you were at the golf course also. Yes. So you're a golf course guy. Maybe this will prevent you from taking one billion vacations throughout the year. Yeah. Now that you're a member of a prestigious golf academy. Thank you. Uh, Sunday, hole number three, Savannah Harbor. You're playing in a foursome. I was. You witnessed something. Truly fantastic. Truly it? awesome, dude. A hole-in-one. The first one I've ever been a part of live. It was awesome. Hunter Warren of Savannah fame. Played golf in, <laughs> played golf in college. Uh, Forest R- River Collective. If you want to look him up on Instagram, he sells furniture, homemade stuff, really good stuff. That's hole his side gig, but his full-time gig is getting hole, holes hole, in one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually do think he has another full-time gig. but So, holes one out. On hole three at Savannah Harbor, roughly 210, 215 yards. It was awesome to be a part of. It was not that long of a hole. It was, yeah, it's it's long. It's a long hole. What club? Six iron? Uh, Six iron, I believe. That's so sick. And it was a foursome, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we lost it. And there's a SCAD tournament. So uh, if I can tell the story for a second, there's a SCAD tournament going on on the course at the same time. We teed off after them. They let us go out. Yeah. And, uh, they're on a hole like literally less than 50 yards away from us. We can see them. And we saw them before we teed off. So we pull up to the green, still not knowing that his ball was in the hole. <laughs> Walked up, saw it, immediately started losing our minds, dude. Like That's just so awesome. screaming, yelling, let's go at the top of our lungs while these people are trying to play actual competitive golf. It was it was so great. I wish I could relive it. And shouts out to Hunter. Like I know that was a big deal for him. He played college golf and he'd never gotten one. You know, first I mean? hole in one. First hole. Okay, in so one. that's one of the questions crossed off. Six iron, par three. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna call it two hundred flat. Yeah. Because the pin was in the front left of number three at Savannah Harbor. It was like middle left. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Front middle. In left. the foursome, was he shooting? Where? What was his order of shot? Like where? Where did he shoot? Was he first one to tee off? He was first or side, man. I don't remember. So his actually. ball was in the hole. But we see the thing. The reason I don't remember that is because we didn't know that his ball. Correct. We so had y'all no are idea. shoot y'all are teeing off after his ball's already gotten in the hole. Pretty sure. Without celebrating. Pretty sure. That that's awesome. Yeah. That's legendary. Yeah. And then last question for it: How long did you spend on the green? At like, what's logistically? What's the process for you guys after he gets a hole in one? You got to confirm I mean, it. Yeah, we took our videos. Like we took pictures. We were losing it. I honestly can't tell you how long. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been five minutes. There's a group behind you? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. People for were sure. waiting on the tee, and we didn't care at all. Um, Yo, I just having a photo shoot. Yeah, on one of us, one of, one of the guys even was like, oh, we got people behind us. And I was like, dude, wh- who cares, dude? Screw them. 
Like, if we have to kill the round now, we kill the round. Like, a ball just went in the hole from 200 yards out. But we got to lose it, you know. And uh, those those guys are great to us out there. They they brought a bottle of Jameson out to us on the course, That's which was sick. awesome. It was so awesome. He's supposed to buy drinks for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we weren't going to kill the round. And he did buy a round of Patron for us later on on, on the turn. So that was cool. Okay, congrats, Hunter Warren. So that's yes. our... Th- so that's our butt first, butt first, butt first. And we already took care of the butt first, butt first. Yes. So now... Back but, to the butt first. But first, on Monday, Facebook... This is the headline from People Magazine. Facebook experienced the worst outage since 2008. Instagram and WhatsApp also down worldwide. So from roughly 10 a.m. to roughly 5 p.m. on Monday, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, which I still don't know WhatsApp. What's WhatsApp? I thought that was like the communication. I don't uh, know. Uh, is is it like group me? I think I think it's like group me. It's like the ninety eight degrees to NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. Roughly, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. third. It's like Facebook's answer to group me. The third wheel. You know what I mean? Uh, quote: The worldwide qu- crashing of Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram has caused pandemonium among social media users. The three Facebook-owned apps appeared to go offline Monday morning with error messages popping up for consumers worldwide. Give us back our crap! Here is the Facebook response to it, and can I just tell you, they sent this response on Twitter. They had to go to Twitter (laughs) because that's the only way they could communicate to their users. They tweeted, We're aware that some people are having trouble accessing our apps and products. We're working to get them back to normal as quickly as possible. We apologize if this causes any inconvenience. Um, end quote. So we're aware that some people know it was the entire world, my dudes, not some people and working to get things back up as quickly as possible. You're tweeting this quit tweeting. (laughs) (laughs) That's the power of Twitter though. Twitter was an amazing place to be on Monday, Spencer. And you were on the golf course all day, living a luxurious life. Some of us out here grinding in a no Facebook world. And you don't want to, let me kind of tell you, you don't want to live in that world. We got a little no. taste of it on Monday. You don't want to live in that world. In a Facebookless world? You don't want to live there. People will condemn Cause Facebook because they, they they move over to Twitter. And they're cupcakes because they can't last on Twitter. Facebook people are not made for Twitter. See, dude, have you ever uh, seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? Sure. The, uh, I'm not an animal. The scene with Dave Chappelle where he's like, I'm over the line, I'm over the line, I'm over the line. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what I do with Twitter, dude. I, uh, so like, usually I'm not a, like a big Twitter person. I'm present. I'm I'm I you know I, I pay attention to my feed, but then I hop in and I'm like Austin Riley for MVP. I'm out. Austin Riley for MVP. I'm out. Young handsome Ray, and I'm out. You know what I mean? So like I wouldn't notice something like that. Something uh, that that massive. Like I I do my little Twitter dance and that's it. A habitual line stepper. Yeah, if you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Twitter from there. Are right, you ready to talk Braves, bro? They are Sweaty. in the playoffs. I think this team's going to win the World Series, Spencer. <laughs> I mean, okay, 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 okay. Time out, time out, right? But first. Time out. All right. So, there's a legitimate path to them winning the World Series. Yeah. I think we both agree. Yeah. The most likely path is the Dodgers lose in this wild card game, right? Okay, yeah. There's a lot of things that need to happen. So, if the Dodgers win in the wild card game... They pretty much have like a 75-25 shot at winning the World Series. The Dodgers do. 
So it's pretty I much- don't think the Braves can beat the Dodgers if they meet them at any point in time. But they right. got to get through the Brewers, not to be that guy. They got to get through the Brewers. Can we first, like, before we talk about the playoffs, though, can we talk about. But first, what, can, what happened? But first, but first, but first, but first, can we talk about what happened for them to get to this point? The Phillies, just the whole season. This was really like out of four straight in yeah, all these titles. Wild, now. Man. It's this wild. one is satisfying. Like it to me, it doesn't feel like World Series or bust. No, and no, it no, did no. last year. It did. Yeah, like they yeah, yeah. had, they were built. But now without Marcelo Zuna, without Ronald Acuna, right? Um. This you know, team's been through a lot, dude. Freddie Freeman was awful the first yeah. two months. I mean, we'll talk about that in a second, but there's a lot of stuff that's happened. This one means more, right? I think there was some. So they're playing with house money for the first th- time in a long. There time. was a lot of perseverance. There was, you know, a lot of a lot of motion, I, and, motivational posters type things. Anthropolis answered a lot of questions too, though. You know what I mean? Yes. Like he turned that team around at the All Star break. Like, yes, at the trade right trade before the deadline. trade deadline. Yeah, that's what I mean. They finished eighty eight and seventy three. Um. And I guess let's just jump right into it. I think key 2021 moments. If you go back to June 9th, 6-9, Spencer. Nice. Nice. You're not allowed to say nice anymore. You're over 30. Two things happened June 9th that I think turned the season around to start for the Braves. 18 shutouts for the whole year in 2021. 15 of those 18 came since June 9th. Whoa. 15 of those 18 shutouts for the Braves came since June 9th. So they were shutting like they were shutting down teams and then also also scoring a lot. Freeman was hitting 224 with a 784 OPS on June 9th. Since June 9th, 342 960 OPS. So before 224, after 342 on June 9th. Those two things happened, and the Braves took off. 300, a 300 batting average, 31 home runs for Freeman. And within that also stretch. Also Austin Riley. Within that stretch. Uh, we'll get to Austin Riley in a minute. Within that stretch, Max Freed has a stretch of 11 consecutive quality starts. Ooh. The longest in the MLB. I like that. Good to set. go with two complete game shutouts under 100 pitches. Also known as a Maddox. A Maddox. My favorite which, stat in basketball. Baseball. Uh, Chip Carey baseball, does not baseball. recognize that because, of course, there has only been one player in Major League Baseball history with the last letter of his last name being X. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> he just forgot about all the Hall of Famers. Like, he <laughs> said, how about that? <laughs> that so good. So good. How about uh, that? Freddie Freeman and Austin Riley become the first pair of Atlanta teammates. Sandy Koufax, how about that? With a 300 batting average and 30 home runs since 2003. Spencer, 2003 Atlanta Braves, what pair of teammates had a 300 batting average and hit 30 home runs? Whoa, are they big name They are both names that you would know. Okay, are they both big name players? One of them is arguably the greatest player of all time. Certainly the greatest catcher of all time. Okay, Javi Lopez. Okay, he, yes, one of he is the one. Okay, and he's the, the one. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, right. his tag team partner for that year in two thousand three, was an outfielder who had a very, very unique batting stance. Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield and Javi Lopez Woo! were the last two Braves teammates to hit three hundred with thirty homers in the same. No problem. Year. No problem. Um, so I, I think Dude, I am a sports podcaster through and through. That's it. And if you try and tell me different, Jason Chatham, 
<laughs> Dude, I'll come after you twice, twice in a row, twice in two weeks. Hold Obviously, what Freeman and Riley did was big. Obviously, what the infield did as a whole was historical. Riley Swanson, um, who I'll, I'll take a lot of credit for Swanson. I've really just been coaching him along. We all season. You have. Long. I gotta get some credit for Riley though, right? You get a lot of credit for Dude, Austin I gotta Riley. get. I gotta get credit for it. And it's because I stuck of by the him. cage I stuck, work that I stuck, you guys did. I stuck by him. Yeah. In the rookie year, yeah. throughout the terrible year last year, I started calling people. Forget I started calling him the young handsome Babe Ruth way back in 2020. It made as much sense then as it does now. No, and it makes way more sense now. Well, it's just lovely now. Yeah, now it's, it's awesome. Just, it's awesome, it dude. Fits. It's the shit. YHBR, baby. It's the shit now. All right. Now now I'm done. Key 2021 moments continued. Jock Peterson, after Marcelo Zuna goes down, after Ron Lacuna go down, Anthopoulos makes the first move, and Peterson sort of gets lost because he happened before the deadline. He happened, you know, long before that. But that was a big move, and I think it signaled to a lot of Braves fans that at least... They're going to try. A little bit. Yeah. Um, there was a time in that... in the middle of the summer where they were starting guys like Hermedia right. in the, or Heredia in the outfield. Um, Adrianza was playing a lot. So th- that was a problem, remember. But yeah. then, Anthopolis before the deadline. Biggest move probably in Braves franchise history. I don't think this is an overstatement. Eddie Rosario for Pablo Sandoval could be one of the greatest <laughs> trades of all time. <laughs> <laughs> this is a franchise that traded for Mark Teixeira. This is like the, within this is the franchise's most important trade. And look, maybe not within a decade. When they like traded 15. Pablo Sandoval, they took off. Was I right about yeah, that or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so they were soft. I put them into place, and they took off and won the division for a fourth straight right. year. Right. Uh, I'm. I'm. I mean, yeah, you're right. Pablo Sandoval was a cancer. What he's, else? He's he's a zero. Okay, but the Eddie Rosario move got looked over a little bit at the deadline because he was hurt, remember? And because Duvall and Soler both right. came in that same 24-hour, 48-hour period. But Rosario hit 40 home runs, like and, uh, as did, I believe, Soler he was, a few he, years ago. But Rosario hit 40 home runs like two years ago. You know what I mean? That's a big, big pickup, and he wasn't playing well before he got to the Braves at the deadline. But that's like a big-time play. He got a lot of big hits. So did yeah. Duvall. So, so did Duvall. And Soler, 14 homers in 55 right. games with right. Atlanta. Like, that'll do. Right. That'll so, really I do. Mean, when you, maybe they didn't have the best year to begin the year, but when you look down this lineup, dude, yeah. not a lot of holes, bro. Not a lot of holes, one through nine. And when Max Fried is hitting, the fifth or sixth best hitter on the Braves, <laughs> there's zero holes. You know what I mean? So, I, dude, I'm, I'm not scared of anybody in this play. Like, yeah, I don't think they're beating the Dodgers. You know what I mean? But... We can jump into that now. How, and we don't curse on this. Fu- we don't. We don't. We don't curse on this fucking podcast. But how huge was the Chuck Morton pickup? Like looking back, people like kind of yeah. made fun of it because he's so old. Yeah. But right now, I swear to God, I would take Chuck Morton over anybody's number. Not, maybe not anybody's number two, but I'd put him up against anybody's number two in the league, dude. Yeah. And with no, no qualms. Like he's going to go game one. Confidence. And he's going to go game one for the Bravos. Freed game two. Yeah. It, it's. Ninety-nine percent sure, Ian Anderson. Yeah, game three. Um, but and Ian Anderson is going to throw so many change-ups. But dude, <laughs> we, we need to wrap. I, I want to wrap the regular season first. But where I was right, Spencer, the Mets when they lost first place, I told you they would never return. And yeah, they never. They never did. Did the Mets second half record? Now they spent ninety days in first place. Think about that. Ninety yeah. days in first place. No, no, it was more than that. It was one hundred eight. 
You need to double check that. Nine consecutive days. Okay. In first yeah, yeah, place, yeah. they might have. They spent the most. They spent the most in MLE history, I believe. Right? Mets second half, twenty nine and forty five. Terrible. Twenty nine and forty five. So they went gently into that good night, like I said they would, and the Braves took off. They're eight and two. The Braves are entering the series against Milwaukee. Milwaukee six and twelve over their last eighteen. That's what you like to see. They've won over hundred games. Milwaukee's good, but. Spencer, looking forward to the NLDS, I would ask this. What other team would you rather play than the Brewers in the National League? It has to be the Brewers. Yeah. This is the easiest draw that's possible, right? Yeah. I think. I I mean, I think that. The Cardinals are red hot. You don't want to play the Cardinals. The Cardinals are red hot. I think they're a little bit more vulnerable than that. You know what I mean? I don't think they're as good as they are, have been the past 20 games but you know what I mean especially specifically don't want to have to play the card bad history there yeah no no but I mean like if you're generic team A I think it would go Brewers Cardinals and then Braves personally um well I would power I would power rank them like that I would I would probably go Dodgers Braves so the Brewers Cardinals you know what I mean like right right that's what I'm screaming I I think Dodger I, I think the Giants are second I mean, they're obviously they yeah, won the NL West. They have like a. I'm sorry, I have had a few Bud Lights, but I'm still not scared of playing any of those teams except for the two teams that are playing each other in the wild card, right? Which the Braves will not have to play the Dodgers and the Cardinals, right? So hopefully the Cardinals beat the Dodgers on Wednesday in the NL wild card game, and then let the Giants and Cardinals go for five games, wear each other out, and hopefully the Braves can come out smelling like roses. Um, they enter the series with the Brewers. They will have gone four days without seeing live pitching. You ever buy into that kind of stuff? Eh. The Braves? No. No. Nothing. Not personally. <laughs> You're not into that it's, at all. Dude, it's such a long season, and I mean, come on. Okay. The professional athletes, no, I don't buy into that at all. Well, it's not like they're going to not see any pitching. You know what I mean? They're just not going to be playing in a normal game. Like, they're going to get a chance to rest up. No, I don't buy into that. Yeah. Um, the Brewers are also going to be missing their setup man, Devin Williams, who I will henceforth be calling Evan Williams, like the liquor, because this guy got drunk celebrating the NL Central title and then got mad because Punched he was the wall, drunk. Right? Right. The story that got confused was a lot of people thought he got drunk celebrating, and while he was celebrating, he punched a wall. That's not what happened. He got drunk while celebrating. Then, because he was drunk, something else made him mad. And he became drunk mad guy. Yeah. And punched a wall. Smells like a woman. Yeah. Like, there has to be a lady somewhere well, involved. It, well, there is a lady involved, and my mother actually saw that, and... Your mother? Yeah, screenshotted it, and texted to me, and I'm not lying, and said, if you ever did this, I'd kill you. Just like that. Just said, if you ever... It was completely random. And I don't know how she saw that article, but she said, if you ever do this, I'll kill you. Things that your mom would kill you over, how long do you think the list is? really, really long. Like For me, it's not like, like I think there's probably like 10 to 12 things that my mom would, would commit. Like she'd murder me for sure. Oh no, she would kill me over some really specific small things. Like like, la- uh, like laundry related leaving things. Leaving the toilet seat up or something? No, 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 no. Like maybe not that small. But like if I like ruined a laundry. You know what my mom would murder me about <laughs> when I was a kid? She used to get, my mom used to get so mad when I would open like a box of Cheez-Its when they were still like if there was one cheese it left in the old box, yeah, you had to keep that box. And- you needed to finish that, or else. And it, it, when you opened, it's like an alarm went off in her head. 
even if she wasn't there. She just like knew to come home and check like who opened who opened the new Cheez-Its and there's just crumbs in the old box. Why didn't she it. just like marry him? You know what I mean? Like put them together. I don't know. That's weird. I don't know. That's the kind of question you don't ask her though. I'm going to ask her. That's the kind of thing that gets you murdered. Oh, I'm going to ask her. That's number four on the list. Don't we, ask questions. We ask the hard-hitting questions here on this podcast. Yeah, you it. won't. Yeah, well. Um, do you like the Braves to... Well, let me ask you this. If the Braves get swept by the Brewers... Okay. What's the storyline for the season? It's still a win. Right? It's still a win. So for the first time in a long time... Maybe not get swept. Maybe not get swept. I, I, I don't know. Sweep that I could see that turning sour a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because of all the pitching, I I, I think they gotta. They at least need to win one. But last year when they beat the Reds and the it's Marlins, a five game series, five game series. Yeah, maybe maybe if they maybe if they lose three zero, and as long as they're not just completely dominated, you know what I mean? Like yeah. If they come out and embarrass themselves, it, it'll be another story of Georgia sports failing. You know what I mean? They, like, there's some history there. But it can't be that but, because Ronald Acuna and Marcelo Zuna are not playing. Mm, like, I don't know. It just feels like it this can't. This team's got a little bit of steam behind it, though, bro. Like, you can't just come out and flop. You know I wonder I mean? if they're favored. You but know yeah, what I, mean? I think they could sweep, but they just can't get embarrassed. That's that's the only thing I'll say. Well, I, they can't. I doubt they're favored. The first it two might be are on the road. On. The first two are on the road, and. The game three and four are in Atlanta. Game four, obviously, if necessary. If they split, Charlie Morton, Max Freed. And, you, I mean, I, I'm just wondering if it goes four and five, if they're going to be able to win. Hmm. You're going so to like, start depending on that bullpen more often than you think. If it goes game five, do you run Chuck Morton back out there? I would imagine at that point they would. Because so... Friday, October 8th, game one. Because that would set up Max Freed to... Th- Thursday, October 14th. Right. Game five. So that would set up Max Freed to run out into a potential game one in the NLCS. Right. Which but is it, really a luxury there. I Yeah. I, honestly, I take, the, I take Braves. Theoretically, in game five, you would be able to start Max Freed. Yeah. Because he would, will have pitched on the ninth and... Game five would be on the 14th. That would not be ideal, though. So, and then Morton, theoretically, on the 8th and the 12th, you wouldn't get as much out of them, but, like, they're options. Yeah. I guess. I mean, Ian Anderson in game three is going to be huge for them. You just assume a split Yeah. in Milwaukee. Milwaukee's one, offense is not One thing's for sure. Great. One thing's for sure. Will Smith's going to go out there and put on a show, baby. This now, man is, since I got on him. This man's going to load up the bases at least once and strike out the side. It is guaranteed it's going to happen in a one-run game um, in the bottom of the ninth. From the FanDuel Sportsbook, the Brewers minus 136 favorites to win the series. The Braves, slight underdogs, plus 116. So basically a flip. Basically a flip. Uh, the odds point to the Brewers winning the series 3-2 as the most likely outcome with plus 300 odds. If this thing goes to game five, the Braves don't stand a chance. I don't know about that, man. Why? Because you think the curse is lifted from winning the Marlins and Red Series last year? I kind of think that did a little something. I'm not. It's not the curse, like that that type of thing. I'm. I'm literally thinking about this. Just, just like we talked about, like pitching rotation. Like I like Charlie Morton in a potential game five. I like Max Fried in a potential game five. I think, dude, the way those two are pitching, if they get any run support, yeah, the Braves are most likely to win those two games, in my opinion. And the Brewers missing Devin Williams is going to be big. Like he is a shutdown. Yeah. 
type of reliever in eighth right. inning guy. Like they still have Josh Hader, the battle of two left-handed closers. Wonder which one's better, Josh Hader or Will Smith? Just kidding. <laughs> um, Five thirty-eight. Your your website, the, uh, the stats guy website. <laughs> for what this is worth, chew on this for a second, Penny. The Braves and Brewers both projected with an eight percent chance to win the twenty twenty one World Series. You take that. Oh, I you wanted it to be higher. You I wanted that. it to be eighteen percent. Um, for reference, the uh, Atlanta Hawks had a three percent chance, three percent chance per five thirty eight going into the playoffs to. Make it to the East. Or no, 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 not make it to the Eastern Conference. Win the Eastern Conference. So your Hawks started uh, the preseason tonight. They did, dude. And uh, we're we're gonna do in the next month here. We're gonna do an NBA preview. I'm assuming a little bit of a Hawks Celtics preview. We'll get into that a little bit. I got a lot to spill. I got a lot to talk about. Jalen Johnson going into the year. You know what I mean? Some some you know Sharif Cooper going into the year. We got a lot to talk about there. But uh, we won't dive into the Hawks just yet. Yeah. World Series picks. American League, National League. He got. It's almost not fair to do it for the wild card. Oh, it's fair, my friend. So you. You won't remember any of this anyway. It's just tough, dude. You want me to go first? Yeah. I'm going to pick my American League team first. Okay. Chicago White Sox. Hmm. You got Astros. You got Yankees, no, no, no. I know the teams. Red I know the Sox, teams. I know the teams. I know the teams. I know the teams. Excellent. I'm gonna podcast. go raise Giants. Raise Giants. Yeah. Okay. A little West Coast, East Coast. I'm gonna go chalk. I'm gonna chalk it. Hmm. I'm gonna chalk it up. You know what I mean? Chalk, chalk, chalk it up. I'm gonna go White Sox, Braves, in the World Series. Really? Yeah. So no Dodgers love on this podcast. No, I think the Cardinals are going to beat the Dodgers. You really do. No, I hope they do, but I, I do don't too. think it's going to happen. Uh, it's just—it seems like such a long shot, dude. That's how the Cardinals would screw the Braves once again. Like they just find a way to screw <laughs> the Braves, even by winning or losing. Dude, what if they what if they go down by ten in the first inning? Don't say that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, what if what if they march Mike Mark Fultonevich out there? Oh my it, God! Why would you even say his yeah, name they, before the playoffs? They start? claim him off playoffs. Of, they claim him off of waivers in a uh, just a good old boys interpretation of the rule. You know what I mean? They hmm. claim Mark Fultonevich. They really need him for this one game. They throw him out there in the first inning, and he gives up ten runs just to fuck the Braves one more time. We don't curse on this podcast. Show sponsors coming up. Then college football. Stick with us. All right, we'll get you guys right back to the episode. First, let me tell you guys about John Carr Real Estate. John Carr is the number one real estate agent in Savannah, and he's been our segment sponsor for a while now. We support him. You guys should, too. 912-228-0916. If you want to buy real estate in the Savannah area, if you want to sell it, or just learn more about the market, Johnny is your guy. He sold over $8 million worth of homes in the last calendar year, and he would love the opportunity to help our listeners buy their new house in the Savannah area today. Give him a call, 912-228-0916. Tell him the Hot Grits podcast sent you, and he will hook it up. 912-228-0916. John Carr Real Estate on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Okay, Spencer, let's get to some NFL talk. Right now, week four wrapped up, or is wrapping up, as we record this on Monday night. 
Raiders and Chargers playing on Monday Night Football. Two teams that are scared of commitment, Spencer. San, San Diego oh, to oh, Los oh, Angeles. Because they keep changing teams. Right, changing talent. I like right. that. I like Oakland that. to Las Vegas, right? Like scared yeah. of commitment. Uh, over under 52. Raiders getting three points. What is it right now? It's 7-0 Chargers with four minutes to go in the first quarter. Uh, the under looks fantastic right now. Pretty good. But I thought the same thing. Uh, I took Jags and the under. Uh, I think it was on, on Thursday night. I had that parlay, and it looked money the entire game. And then they scored a billion points in the fourth quarter. So I'm scared of unders right now. The Jaguars it, didn't have a great I would have made weekend. so much money on that bet. I, I forgot to tell you about that. Did I tell you about that at all? No, but Dude, I, I tell you right now that right now I can barely even continue because I'm, I feel so bad for you. Shut up. It feels dude. as if it happened to me. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm trying to convey. I'm, I want you to yeah. feel empathy, but I, I'm scared of unders right now. That's the that's the end of the story. You should live scared of unders. Yeah, I yeah I agree. That should be how every man walks. I agree. Daily. Agreed. Walk with the over daily. Um, Urban Meyer and the Jaguars not a fantastic weekend. They lost to the Bengals, uh, the mighty Bengals, uh, on Thursday night football. They are now zero and four. The Jags are, and Urban Meyer. He did himself no favors, friend. Stayed in Ohio after they lose in Cincinnati and apparently goes out to a bar and just gets grinded on by a a very nice-looking lady at a bar, and the video goes viral. Dude, his hand was in a not-so-savory place, too. The hand placement was was, a point of contention. Yeah, that was... Mm -hmm. mm. Then he apologizes for it. Or yeah, uh, apologizes to his Shelly. His wife Shelly. Apologizes to his wife Shelly, which has my man still married. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it. a loyalty thing. I think you we wouldn't understand because we're not married. Like, right. We don't understand what it takes to keep a marriage going. Honestly, like I don't I don't want to judge her no. or him. Like, no, right there. But and she knows her husband better than anyone. She right. knows where those hands were. <laughs> She knows where those hands were. Urban Meyer apologized Monday morning in a press conference to Jacksonville Media. By Monday afternoon... <laughs> so dry. <laughs> Continue. By Monday afternoon, Dan Orflosky and Marcus Spears had taken to NFL Live, uh, ESPN's weekly afternoon show, and they were calling for Urban Meyer's head because of this video. Orflosky said something to the effect of... You talk about building a culture and doing things the right way. How can I trust you to be my coach when this video surfaces and you're 0-4? And it's just like, dude, here's the problem with the Jaguars is that they don't have good players. Yeah, they suck. And Urban Meyer should have known that they were going to lose a bunch of games. Just like if you're an ESPN NFL analyst, you should know the Jaguars were never going to win a bunch of games. Right. So, Dan to call for his head for a video like that is so stupid. Dan Orzovsky is also the guy that just replaced Max Kellerman on first take, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Um, I don't know. Well, he's got big shoes to fill, and it's not like I'm a big Max Kellerman guy. But you're a big shoes guy. But I am a big shoes guy. I have big feet. So, you can speak on this. So, you know. You know what they say about big feet? Uh, yeah, Big hands. Big hands. Right. So, dude, Dan Orzovsky is the worst. And that's all yeah. I got to say about that. Most people right. like fancy. You would rock a three-piece suit. He's the only man to ever rock an eleven-piece. Yeah, suit. Yeah. Uh, this guy is. Dude, he was like 
at best, a backup quarterback in the league. And even then, he yeah. was just like barely sniffing rosters. Yeah. And now he's calling for Urban Meyer's head. Yeah. Like one of the best coaches of our time. Like whether we like him or not, like he's a crazy maniac, obviously, yeah. but he's still a great coach. And also, obviously, a terrible look for him as a person and as a coach. Yeah, like, it is. But let's just like he is who he yeah. is at this yeah. point. Like there's ample evidence of who Urban Meyer is. Stop apologizing to us. If you accept the apology and you believe that he's changed, then you're an idiot. Like, it's not Urban Meyer's fault for being Urban Meyer. Right. We know where those hands were, <laughs> Urban. Uh, we would talk about the Falcons, usually. Typically, we would talk about the Falcons in this spot. Um, but, Spencer, you didn't watch the game again. So, that oh, gives on us purpose. very little on purpose to talk because, about. On purpose, because that's what we said last no, week. No, that no, we no, can't. No. I can't watch the Falcons. No, we said that you, if you were a true fan, you're clearly not. If you were, you I would have be slept. slept. Wait, because uh, asleep, when, you, when you slept, they were undefeated. Yeah. Were you sleeping during the game? I was sleeping on the course. Were you sleeping during the game I on took Sunday? A, I took a nap or two on the course. You were playing golf. We already had the hole-in-one story. Yeah. No, I wasn't sleeping. While that I was happening, your Falcons were getting their hearts ripped out <sighs> against Taylor Hinky Manning. Brady, Hinky. Well, yeah, whatever, dude. We said they had to go 2-1 and one over this three-game stretch. And really, it's a four-game stretch because they play the mighty Miami Dolphins at the end of it. Let me... Okay. So, okay. You don't want any of that pressure. Yeah. So, it really... They just need to go 2-1 and one over the stretch, beat Miami. They'll just they'll be just fine. Well, they're off to a 1-1 one and one start. And the NFL thinks so much of the Falcons and Jets this weekend... That they have decided to ship them off to London. This to play. is before. They, no, they decided this week they flexed it to London. They said, we can't have this on our soil. It's also one of the highest rated games in. Uh, we the can't NFL. have this product on American soil. We got to send this thing to London. Right. Dude. Send the Falcons to London. The overs, the overs not dead. Look at that Falcon schedule again. If you get a chance, I'm dead serious. Look, I, I know you don't believe in this team at all. I don't blame you for thinking that. Over seven and a half wins. You still think they're going to... Look at the damn schedule, dude. I'm telling you, look at it, and you can find seven and a half wins Look at there. the damn games. Watch the game. You would see what I see. You see the offense moving the fucking balls. Oh what you see? Oh, my God, dude. You see it. They lost to Washington yesterday. They're playing the Jets. The Jets are a better team than the Falcons right now. No, what not. did I tell you about Cordero no, Patterson? Did no, I tell you he was the best player on the roster I'll, or not? I'll, I'll say this. He's their best player. That's not good. I saw, I'll say this. Just like I said it during the Giants game. If the Falcons lose to the Jets, it's dead. It's over with. But every time I've said that, they haven't lost yet. So it's not quite dead. And I knew this, was, this wasn't this was a make-or-break game this week. It was an important game, but not a make-or-break game for the over. So you're calling this weekend a must-win? It's a must-win. Absolutely. They can't go 1-4. and four and Do you think the, the Falcons over. will win? I I believe they should. Do you think the Falcons will win this weekend? I believe they should. I'm not going to say of they will. Of course they should. I'm, I'm not, not asking gonna, you I'm that. not going to say they will. I'm not going to do that. So you don't believe in this team? No. No, absolutely not, dude. Will you I'm be watching? Better. I took the odds. That's why I bet the damn team, dude. Will you be watching? Jason Chatham. Yes, I'll be watching this No, game. you won't be watching. Yes, I will. Don't lie to these people. No, I will be watching this game. This is where we would usually talk about the Falcons, but we can't talk about the Falcons, so we won't. Falcons stink. You know who's good? Georgia. The University of Georgia is really good. We were laughing at the 17-18 point spread. And once again, Georgia went out and just had its way with number 8 Arkansas. Poor Sam Pittman. All shucks. Good guy. Um, Did you know he was an offensive line coach at Georgia? 
Did you hear that storyline? No, I already told you I don't buy into coaching trees, dude. That's not my not my vibe. You know? Georgia just kicked the shit out of them up and down yeah. the field at Sanford Stadium on Saturday, uh, twenty-seven. Big L, <laughs> big L for Arkansas. Big L for coaching trees. Um, big big L for Arkansas. Yeah, Spencer, they were exposed. I think Georgia, obviously, like were we, they though, dude? Were they like was Arkansas exposed or is Georgia and Alabama the only two legit? teams great question you know i'm glad like, you asked i think georgia that yes i think arkansas is good i think what they did to arkansas proved something to me because all you had to do is look around college football yesterday or on saturday and see what other teams were doing look at what kentucky was doing to florida look at lsu blowing a nine point lead in the fourth quarter to auburn uh stanford beating oregon all these teams cincinnati beating notre dame you can lose any week and georgia just beat number eight like 30, exactly. Seven, and this points. is they ran the ball fifty-seven times and passed it eleven. This is this is why I bring I, I I keep going back to this, and it's not that I want to reignite this debate of Georgia versus Alabama in the AP poll. It's not that I want to reignite that debate, but early on in the season, you have to go by some kind of legacy. You know what I mean? Like what have they done in the past? As yeah. the season moves further and further along, you get to see. More and more of a sample size of what this team actually is. And Georgia had an opportunity to prove that they're the best team in the nation this week. Yeah. To people like you and to people like me. And I believe personally that they did that. They I mean, how many points has this team given up? Twenty four? Twenty four um, points all year long? I they've given up one touchdown all season. They have not allowed a touchdown in four or five games. Yeah. I think it's 24 points they've given up all year long. They're allowing 4.3 points per game. They just beat the number eight team in the nation. But handled them. Oh, my With goodness. With Stetson they Bennett at Their quarterback. backup quarterback. They With ran all over them. They now, four different, four different Georgia rushers had touchdowns. Ooh, good stat. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Zamir White had two, I think. Zeus. Uh, a lot of people are not high on Zamir White. I don't understand. You're one of those guys, right? You're like, why is he on the field so much? No. Oh, okay. I've heard people complain about like, Zamir White and him being a bust or like him being not what they were expecting. They they want Cook and Milton more than Zamir White. I like what they have going. I really like what they have going on offense. They're the best think, team in the nation. I'm going to call them that. I I I fully believe that they pulled I can't go front. there yet. I fully believe that they are better. This team in its current iteration right now is better than Alabama. I said in week two, that I would have Alabama by three and a half, four points at the time. I really fully believe that I would have Georgia by one and a half points, something like that. You know, like two right. points at this current time. I can't obviously go that Georgia better than Alabama. It's, I I think if they played ten times, Georgia wins six. You know what I mean? Like if they played ten times in a row right now, you're not alone on that. Yeah, I think a lot of people think that. I mean, for me, the reason why the Arkansas game meant so much is because here's the offenses that Georgia has played um, in yards per play. Here's what they rank nationally. Vanderbilt, 124. Clemson, 103. Dabo, you stink. 103rd in the nation in yards per play. South Carolina, 94. UAB, 61st. Arkansas was 29th in the country in yards per play coming in. And they got zilch against Georgia's defense. So that, to me, was why I thought if they could do what they did to Arkansas, that's all I needed. Right. I think that's and, going to be more of a prove-it game than what Florida made. You, it you just named five teams, right? Five teams? Yeah. And all five of those teams face Georgia, and that's what goes into that 
109 ranking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They, I mean, they literally missed a week in their schedule, basically for offensive stat purposes. Like, they sh- got shut down for the week in yeah. offensive stat purposes, and that goes into that. If you add in their average for the the rest of those weeks, they probably don't look like that. You know what I mean? They're probably ranked like they 60th. Don't. They're probably ranked set. You, you know what I mean? But let me so like let me counter with this though. Flip it. Georgia's offense, which has been, you know, I don't know if it's the question anymore. To be honest, like I think they're rolling good enough where that's not. They prove Kirby Smart proved that he can counter to are, a team. Georgia's no offense is 27th in yards per play, but here are the rankings of the defenses they've played. In yards per play allowed. Clemson is fifth in the country. Fifth best defense in terms of yards per play. Arkansas, eight. South Carolina, 38. So, like, that's three top 40 team, top 40 defenses in yards per play that Georgia has really whipped up on and scored handily. I mean, Clemson... Clemson, where they scored 14 not, points. They didn't score... Well, they scored 10. 10. And their offense didn't score any touchdowns. Yeah. But they're fifth in the country in defense. So, they've played difficult... Defenses. I, and I think, it seems to me that Georgia's offense is starting to get things clicked. The further we move along yes. in the season, they're starting to get better and better. And but there's that elephant in the room. The quarterback yeah. situation with Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels. Stetson Bennett played the whole game against Arkansas, and they only threw it 11 times. Right. So you weren't asking too much of them. But when Kirby Smart was asked about it in the postgame, there's two different questions when he's asked about it, and he is pissed. About it. It just sounds and feels like Nick Saban, which I'm not mad about, but he's quickly becoming like an old, angry man because after a 37 to nothing win over Arkansas, he gets pissed about these two questions about Kurt or about JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. So the first one is from Charles Odom of the Associated Press. He asked Kirby Smart if it was a close decision at game time between JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett. Was it close? He asked Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart responds with this piece of gold. Why, why is this the conversation? I mean, was it close at all? He couldn't play. He couldn't go out and effectively lead the team and play. To do that, you don't need to have a strained lat. Now, could he have gone out there and handed off the ball? Possibly. But that's not – guys, you're missing the window. Like, y'all, y'all are making the story all about that. The story should be about these fans. The story should be about these, these, these players that go out there and lay it on the line and play and play their butt off. And I'm so proud of our offensive line, our tight ends, our receivers who didn't get a ton of catches and they blocked their butt off, and their defense and the special teams unit. Make it about that, guys. I mean, JT's going to be okay. Make it about what matters. Well, I only asked that follow-up because you, you did say that, that it would be based upon the pregame. But that's right. Will, it, it, it'll be based about it'll be based upon the pregame next week too. Because so we go ahead and write that down. It's gonna be based upon the pregame next week to see if he's ready to go. All right, and then later in the interview, our guy Jeff Schultz. Do you think your your ceiling is just as high with with Stetson Bennett this year as it is with JT? Probably not a fair question because you're asking me to make a comparison or an opinion, and I've probably seen more snaps of those two than anybody, right? Because I was here the whole time with Stetson, and some of our offensive staff has been here the whole time with Stetson, as well as Monken's been here the whole time with, with JT. So I don't, I just think it's a hypothetical, Jeff, and I'm not upset with you for asking it, but I would have begged to my team, why does it matter? Like, I think that both of them are really good players. 
You know, we have a lot of confidence in both of them. And I think the outside perception is that like one guy's way better than the other. And I think both of them are really good. And I'm proud of both of them. I'm so glad that they've handled it the right way. JT's frustrated. He wants to play quarterback and, it, and he, he doesn't get to when he has an injury. Stetson just goes out and does his job and, and wants to be there to help the team. So I, I don't I don't think ceilings, I think growth. And that's where my focus is. All right, so Kirby Smart obviously pissed, Spencer, about these two questions. But I would ask you, do you think Georgia's ceiling is the same with Stetson Bennett as it is with JT Daniels? I think it might be. Can Georgia win the natty with Stetson Bennett at quarterback? If you're asking me if the ceiling is the same. Because we are concerned with ceilings, unlike Kirby Smart. In terms of can they win a title? Yes, they can win a title with Stetson Bennett. Their ceiling is the same. Do they win a title as often if you play this season, this exact season? No, then out? obviously the answer is no. no. No, they're a better team with JT Daniels. Are you, because I, like, I find myself always being pro reporter on these things, right. obviously. Like, I, yeah, am I am I, too. Like, am I'm I not crazy even... for thinking like, dude, those are normal questions that Georgia no, fans have. Dude, I, I always I always hate the dickhead coach approach. You know what I mean? Like Greg Popovich, this is all Greg Popovich's fault, right? Or Bill Belichick or Nick Saban, pick one. It's all their fault. They normalized being mean to these pros. And maybe there was a generation before me that I don't really remember. Well, it's but. it's almost like, like, how dare Kirby Smart tell us the first, his response to the first question was, you know, that's not the story. Like, you don't get to decide what the story is, Kirby. And I think he knows that. It almost seems like forced. A little, like, why is, why is he getting so mad about that? Of course they're going to ask about the starting quarterback like, of the number two team. Mad. You don't think I, I don't think he walks off the stage and he's mad about that. I think it's a little bit of a front, and I think they do that to deflect. The like, end of that Charles Odom question when he was like, and next week it'll be the same thing. Right? I'm, that, I'm he sure like, he was mad in, in the moment. Notes. I'm sure he let himself feel that in the moment. You know what I mean? But I don't think he like went to bed that night. And Certainly was like, a strange what's What's Kirby, Kirby Smart's wife name? I don't know. What? Let's, let's make it Marla. I don't think he went to bed that night and was like, Marla, this reporter asked me a question and it really God just grinded my Charles gears. Odom. Yeah, Charles Jeff Odom. Schultz and his snarky laugh. I don't think he went to bed that night thinking that. But I, I do think, like, maybe in the moment he, like, I, I think it's an act, dude. There's no way they, like, they're just putting on. It's, it's not real. Fugazi, Fugazi, you know? Fugazi. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap up uh, episode 87 uh, by talking about Georgia Auburn. This weekend, Uncle Carter's Auburn Tigers, number 18 in the country coming in. They escaped Baton Rouge on a Saturday night last weekend, but they're 4-1 coming, or Georgia's going to Jordan-Hare on Saturday afternoon at 3.30. This game opened, Spencer, at Georgia minus 16. It quickly went down to Georgia minus 14. Uh, The over-under, I think, was hovering around, I'll check on that, I think it was like around 61. I am absolutely hammering Georgia. I've heard a lot of people say that. Every which way about it. There's no... The early money was obviously going on Auburn at minus 16. Right. At plus 16, you mean. Plus 16, sorry. So, like, you're... Are you going to bet this? Are you going to bet this? Yes. The way this dog's team is rolling, at 14? Oh, my God. At 17, you start to think about it. That's that's a three-score game. At 17 and a half, you start to think about it. But at 14, Georgia every which way, bro. Huh. Moneyline, Auburn plus 460. 
Georgia minus 728. Yeah, it's a massive, massive favorite. Auburn right now, as of 4.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, on Monday afternoon, Georgia 14.5 point. Favorites over under 46 This is six. This points. is also this is also with JT Daniels maybe not playing currently. That's where the line's sitting with JT Daniels not playing. So if JT Daniels is playing, the line's gonna move even more towards Georgia. Yeah. So I would I would and I still think they could cover that easily with Stetson Bennett playing. So I would definitely hammer Georgia if I'm if I'm a better, and I am. I am hammering Georgia. I don't know about you. Um, I mean, I'm not going to bet it, but I do think Georgia will cover. I'm convinced. And I would not have said, like, if you would have told me two weeks ago, Georgia's a 14-point favorite. I think Arkansas is a better team than Auburn. Personally. I think they're close. At they're least. Similar. At very least. They're similar. But we've been wrong in the past, my friend. That's true. Uh, not about much. Other things happen around college football. Kentucky beat Florida. Ha, 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 ha. How funny <laughs> is that? Dude. The bar lost their shit, man. It was awesome. Oh, yeah, you were working Saturday night oh, yeah, when that went down, huh? There's probably there's probably 120 people in the bar. Half the bar doesn't care about football just automatically. The rest of them have their eyes glued. They have enough sense to hate Florida, yeah, though. They, they have their eyes glued to the TV, and I don't know if it's pro-UK. I don't know if there's a, just a... Because we're definitely a tourist bar. I don't know if there's pro-UK. I don't know if it's just anti-Florida. But when they get that stop, and every single penalty, by the way, Florida blew that. I mean, so many penalties, dude. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, uh, maybe I've seen some like it, but... Dan Mullen, brutal. after the game, was talking about how they had more yards and more pa- less penalties and better third-down conversion. Just trying to make up. excuses. What a soft baby girl. Yeah. What a little Just Nancy, up. dude. Nancy Shh. Mullen. That's what we're calling him from here yeah, on. Yeah, I agree. But, dude, also, Kentucky, kind of the real deal. Hello, Kentucky. Kind of oh, a real Kentucky. deal. Do you know any Kentucky we'll get, fans? We'll get, Most we'll get, people know one or two. Yeah, I actually, uh, one of my coworkers played football there. Oh, really? Believe it or not. Lindsey Goff. Uh, he would not like me to say his name on air. Former so. Hot Grits podcast guest, Lindsey Goff, WTOC sports director, uh, also a Kentucky grad. She was living it up on Saturday night. I shot her a text. I was like, congrats, you earned this one. Because they nice. did earn this one because Kentucky had gone a long time I without like, beating Florida at home since 2010. Spencer is their first top 10 win. Period. Since 2010. First home win for Kentucky over Florida since 1986. Oh, boy. I always like to make the joke uh, to my coworker, uh, like, did they have bathrooms in the dormitories or did you have to go out to the outhouse? Roughly oh, 50 yards around the way. Because he went to Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky, a football school now, maybe. Kind of a big deal, though, win-wise for Georgia. Like, they... If they don't make it to the SEC championship, something horrible. They had they would have to lose twice unless Kentucky beats has them. happened. So they would have to lose to Florida and Kentucky. No, no. If they lose to Kentucky straight up, they got a problem because Kentucky's yeah. undefeated. That's true. That's true. But I mean, you would you would think Kentucky's going to find two wins on the two losses on their schedule. I, you would think Georgia's going to beat them, yeah. And yeah. then then you would assume along the way, beat, right? But if Georgia beats them, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. What Kentucky does. Yeah. So, but, but Kentucky still controls its own destiny. Which is crazy. It's clear about that. Like, longer than Florida does. Florida's done. They're done. They're out of the college football playoff discussion. Dunzo! We'll see them in Jacksonville, though. That's going to be a cleanup session, dude. That's going to be... Georgia's just going to delete them all over. Do not say that right now. Delete. delete. Do not, don't say that. Don't delete, say that. Delete. Don't delete, say that. Delete. Don't say that. 
Here's my closing question. If Georgia and Alabama both go undefeated for the rest of the year. Not possible. Until the until until Atlanta, yeah, until okay. Atlanta. That's, okay. what, that's what I'm screaming. Okay, and one of them loses to the other. Doesn't matter. Would they still be one and two in the college football playoff? Would they you line mean, up like, on would opposite? Would a one loss Georgia be ranked ahead of whomever like undefeated Cincinnati? Whomever. Um, in the college football playoff rankings, so would, no. Would Alabama and Georgia be on opposite sides, or would they play each other? No, they would the put whoever playoff. loses the national championship game or the SEC championship game. Whoever loses that would be the three seed. Whoever wins it, the one seed, then they would two and four. They wouldn't make Alabama and Georgia play as the one and four seed again in the okay. first round. That's that's all I'm saying is would they line up on opposite sides of the bracket? Correct. The first college football playoff rankings are November second, so we're under a month now. Until the first college football playoff rankings. Um, all right, stick with me. I'm going to be back on the other side with a local segment from PrepSportsReport.com, Georgia Southern, Savannah State, and some high school football news as well. Follow us on Twitter at Podcast Grits, Instagram, The Hot Grits. Um, for me, it's at Jadon Sports on Twitter, hotgritspod at gmail.com. Click follow, click subscribe, tell your cool friends. Uh, to follow us too, we have seen an increase in numbers in September. I guess because football, let's go, is back. So tell your cool friends only. Spencer, uh, are you even on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I jump in. I'm a, I'm on the line. I'm on the line. <laughs> I'm in. I'm out. Follow me at Spencer Maddox underscore. Don't you dare forget that underscore. People always forget that underscore, and I'm sick of it. Until episode 88, stay safe. Wash your hands, you filthy animals. Peace. Okay, Georgia Southern, Savannah State High School football. Let's start with Georgia Southern. Two and three, one and one. Georgia Southern is now 59-33 winners over Arkansas State last week in interim head coach Kevin Whitley's first game at the helm coaching the Eagles. So I had a lot of takeaways from this one. Namely, just win, baby. Just win. Winning cures everything, and that's especially true in Statesboro. I think Georgia Southern would have won if they had um, Elmo on the sideline coaching. You know, if Ronald McDonald's over there coaching, I think they still beat Arkansas State because Arkansas State's pretty bad, especially defensively. They came in 103rd in the country in total defense, Arkansas State did. So Georgia Southern was expecting, I would hope, to put up a lot of yards, a lot of points. I don't know if they were expecting to do what they did, which was Eclipse the 500-yard rushing mark, 503 rushing yards for Georgia Southern. 10.1 yards per rush. Uh, that'll do, big boy. That'll do. Georgia Southern now has had five 500-yard rushing games since 2014. The rest of the Sun Belt has five combined 500-yard rushing games in that same span. So let that sink in for a minute now. There was some great, there was some good... There was some bad, and there was some downright weird at the Georgia Southern-Arkansas State game. Uh, first thing I think that I took away from it, obviously the rushing yards is great, but when you look at Georgia Southern's rushing game, and you know it's been hit or miss this season, let's be honest. It hasn't been as consistent as most Georgia Southern offensive attacks have been in the past. But here's the thing that's different about this ground game and about this offensive unit 
from Georgia Southern teams in the recent past. And that's that they've had the same offensive line starting all five games. So the same exact unit across the board, all five positions from left tackle to right tackle, the same five starters the whole year. Now, I know Georgia Southern fans will remember 2019 when it was rotating, you know, not just every other game. I mean, in 2019, it was rotating every other snap. Similar stuff in 2020. Now in 2021, Georgia Southern has finally found its five. And maybe this 503 rushing yard performance is the kind of thing that gets them going. And we'll talk about Troy, their upcoming opponent next. I thought another thing with Georgia Southern that was good, maybe not great, was that the defense held up over 85 plus snaps. That's a lot of snaps for a defense to play. And that's probably because Georgia Southern had nine rushes of 20 yards or more. They were gaining a lot of yards, a lot of long touchdowns, and they weren't having a lot of quick drive or a lot of lengthy drives, especially late. More so early, but late they were scoring on three, two, three, four play drives, which means the offense has to come back out or the defense has to come back out for Georgia Southern. And they held up 80 plus snaps, Georgia Southern. I thought 33 points against Arkansas State, one of the better passing units in all of the group of five. Uh, I, I thought it was a serviceable job. Now, 60 pass attempts from Arkansas State. That's the most against the Georgia Southern team since 1997. 453 passing yards Arkansas State had. That's the most against Georgia Southern in the FBS era, which is since 2014. So, you know, I don't know that you can really glean a lot from those two stats. But it was eye-popping to know that Arkansas State did some historical things as far as how many pass attempts they had and how many yards it ended up with. All right, the bad for Georgia Southern. Passing and penalties, still not great. The passing game, not great. Not great. Now, when you rush for 503 yards, it doesn't matter, does it? Nah, it doesn't matter that much. Three for 13. Georgia Southern was passing for 37 yards. Um, that leaves something to be desired. I'll leave that right there. 10 penalties for Georgia Southern. Again, not great. Pretty bad, actually. 10 penalties. Um, that's Eagles attempting to beat Eagles, and we don't want that in Statesboro. Georgia Southern's got a big test coming up. Big test coming up. So keep the great, keep the good, get rid of the bad, the passing and the penalties, and see if you can't improve on that. And go beat Troy. Troy is a four-point favorite against Georgia Southern Saturday night in Alabama, 7 p.m. Eastern time, kickoff on ESPN+. This is a different animal. Georgia Southern goes from Arkansas State, one of the worst defenses in the country, to Troy, one of the legitimate best defenses in the country. They're a top five total defense. They're number one in the Sun Belt in total defense. Third in the Sun Belt in points per game allowed. 17 points per game allowed. Uh, they're really freaking good. Troy is really good. And Georgia Southern only giving up four points or only getting four points in this matchup over under 51 for Saturday night. Arkansas State's one thing. If Georgia Southern and Kevin Whitley can go win this game on the road, do something that Chad Lunsford's teams really, if we're honest here, hand up now. If we're honest, Chad Lunsford's teams failed in these kinds of moments. You won a conference game that you were supposed to win. Now go win that you're not supposed to win. Go win one that you're not supposed to win on the road at night in the conference and put together a little winning streak. See if you can't send, uh, send uh, the boys into Georgia State in a couple of weeks with a little 
momentum rolling from back-to-back conference wins. All right, now on to Savannah State. Savannah State's rolling, boys and girls. Four and one, three and zero in the SEAC. They went on the road, ten hours, ten-hour bus ride to Kentucky, where they beat Kentucky State twenty-one to seventeen. Um, they'll get Erskine. Savannah State will get Erskine in a non-conference game this Saturday at six p.m. at TA Wright Stadium. Uh, a couple notes on Savannah State: they are winning games. Savannah State is that Savannah State has always lost when they went on the road this weekend in conference play now against kentucky state go look at the stat sheet they got dominated up and down the stat sheet now they were outrushed outgained outpossessed i mean they did not play that well it was a c-plus effort from the looks of the box score and they still won those are the kind of games that savannah state never won even when they played well they would find a way to lose now it's the opposite under Sean Quinn. Our boys are rolling over there. They've started SEAC play with eight consecutive wins dating back to 2019. They got four fumbles and an interception on Saturday in Kentucky in that win. Plus four on the season now, turnover margin. And that'll do every time. I think there's something to be said about a football team winning games with a C-plus effort. And by effort, I don't mean effort. I mean C-plus performance. You didn't play your best, and you still beat another football team. That's a good sign. So rest up this weekend against Erskine. Put that thing away early, boys. Get ready for Albany State and Fort Valley State in the conference coming up later this month. All right, we'll wrap up here now with high school football. Week 8 coming up October 8th, 2021 will be this Friday. That will serve as week 8 of the high school football season. I want to tell you guys about some of the stuff that happened last week and what's coming up this week thanks to segment sponsor, PrepSportsReport.com. All right, best thing I saw last week, Calvary 42, number 10, Stratford Academy 6. Calvary is incredibly good. They have a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of sophomores, a bunch of underclassmen that are future college players. There's a few on there. And by a few, I mean three or four on Mark Stroud's roster that could potentially be paid to play football someday. Let that sink in now. On Calvary's roster are Division I caliber football players. And not only that, possible professionals. Around here, we're used to saying that maybe about BC, but not really about anybody else. Now Calvary's a legitimate state title contender. They are 7-0 now. Behind Jake Merklinger, their sophomore quarterback, uh, sophomore Caden Arnold, sophomore tight end Michael Smith, freshman running back Donovan Johnson, freshman wide receiver Edward Coleman, um, really good two-way player in Jawan Johnson. He's a senior, but Calvary's really good. They were the best performance I saw last week. Now, BC's still rolling. They've won four in a row heading into their region opener this weekend with Jenkins. They're four and two, Holden Gariner. Justin Thomas, those guys are starting to roll now. BC's offense averaging 50-plus points a game. All right, worst thing I saw last week, Savannah Christian's quarterback, Paulus Zittrauer, was injured on the final play, offensive play for Savannah Christian in their loss to First Presbyterian at home last week. Savannah Christian's in an absolute bind now. They have a really, really good defense, really good defense that I told you guys about last week. But they were struggling on offense 
even with the help of such a great defense, and that was with a junior quarterback in Zittrauer that was more than serviceable. I mean, more than serviceable. He'd thrown six touchdown passes this season. Um, I, you know, I don't know what they're going to do, but right now it looks like sophomore David Busey for Savannah Christian, who has never played a high school snap at quarterback, or the freshman that they were hoping to develop and not play this year. He'd been playing on JV. Jock King, Q King, is his nickname. That's what Savannah Christian has at quarterback. That was the worst thing I saw last week because that is really, really devastating news. But unfortunately, part of the game, injuries do happen, and that is a football guy statement for you this week. New Hampshire and Windsor Forest played a silly game. Just a silly game last week. 46-38. New Hampshire on Thursday night at Memorial Stadium. Uh, that thing was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But Windsor Forest impressed me. They did impress me. So let's look forward to week eight now. Who's the top five in the city? I got a tie for first. BC and Calvary. BC number three in the AJC Class 4A poll. Calvary number two in the Class A private poll. Tied for first in my top five in Savannah area this week. Number three, New Hampstead. Number four, Richmond Hill. Richmond Hill's an interesting team. One in four, they are. Okay, so... Not great. I don't need to tell you guys one and four. Not great. But last week, they lost by six at Statesboro. And really, they pissed the game away in the fourth quarter with a pair of turnovers there. But they're getting better. Quarterback Ty Goldrick's getting better for Matt Lazad and company over in Richmond Hill. I got them number four this week. Windsor Forest, number five for me. They're two and two, one and oh in the region. Them being able to score like that with New Hampshire and with Mike Caballero, their running back, getting going. Uh, I like what's happening with Windsor Forest and Jeb Stewart. They have a huge game this Friday night with Liberty City, or I'm sorry, Liberty County, not Liberty City. Liberty County, who is also 2-2, two and two, but Liberty County is 2-0 and oh inside the region, Region 3, 3A. The winner of that game, I think, has an inside track at the region title, especially if it's Liberty County. If Windsor Forest can win this game, they'll still control their own destiny inside the region, and that's a big, big deal. Other... Big games this week. Thursday night, Savannah Christian will host Screven County. Just talk to you about their quarterback situation. We'll see what they do. They got a short week to prep a new quarterback. Either way, they'll be starting a quarterback that has never played a high school snap behind center. Uh, Windsor Forest, Liberty County. Told you guys about that. Evingham at Richmond Hill this week. That's a Region 2-6A matchup. And then BC Jenkins. This is uh, an interesting game. BC's going to roll. Folks, Jenkins will not be able to stay up with BC in that high-powered offense. But this is the first time they've met since 2019. And that was sort of what people around Jenkins and around Savannah Public Schools were hoping was a changing of the guard. Because or Jenkins' defense that year was loaded with Division I players. Their offense, led by Jason Cameron, their head coach, had Patrick Blake and Demazio Harris. And BC was still starting a young sophomore quarterback at that time, Holden Gerner. Jenkins rolled. They won the region title. They went to the Final Four that year. And they didn't get to play last year because of COVID. So this is the first meeting since then. Something tells me that Danny Britt and the cadets will not forget quickly what happened last time they played the Warriors in a Region 3-4A contest. All right, that's it for Episode 87. Thank you to Prep Sports Report for sponsoring the local segment every week. Thank you guys for listening to 87, and we will see you 
for episode 88 of the Hot Grits Podcast.